0: That's the big piece for us, is making sure that that it's not an afterthought. I mean, it's something that it's intentional. When we talk to the client each month, it's not, you know, it, it's very much about not just the performance of their portfolio, but what they need. What, what information do they need? What more do they need from us?
1: Thank you all for, for being here with us today. We truly appreciate it. You had some choices and uh, you either chose to uh, to be with us or just stayed away from your keyboard and were defaulted into this room. Regardless, we're happy you're here and excited to share with you today. I think we'll start out with some introductions. Um, first of all, I'm Mike Krause. I'm from Orlando, Florida. I, I um, currently run Atrium Management Company with my partner, Adam Wanus. I was lucky enough to have the second nature, a, a good portion, a good number of the second nature team here at our office last week. It was a blast. We had so much fun. Brian, one of their new guys said it was the best business meeting of his life. And I am quoting that as far as I know, a direct paraphrase. Uh, anyway, regardless Um, We'd like to have a good time here at at Atrium and, and hopefully our panel today will provide you some good information. I'd like to ask one question to start everyone out. If you have anything you're looking to get out of this panel today, if you could type that in the chat box, that would be awesome. So I can make sure that we hit on that. So if you have anything right off the bat that you're like, I showed up to hear about this, put it in that chat box and that'd be helpful. Um, Chris, if you want to give us a little 30-second intro on yourself and your company, I'd love to to get started with that here as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. I am uh, Chris Clothier. I am a partner with REI Nation and Premier Property Management, along with my uh, father and my brother. The three of us own the company, located uh, out of Memphis, Tennessee, with offices in Memphis and Dallas. And we manage a portfolio of seventy six hundred properties across twelve different cities, all in the southeast part of the of the u s. And again, just really you know appreciate the opportunity to be able to be here and, and participate in the in this you know great event. So thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Um, good to have you. And thank Ralph,
1: you. if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
2: Perfect. Thanks, Michael. Uh, Ralph Reard, I'm with Real Property Management, Richmond Metro. Uh, We manage about 1,400 units here in Richmond. We have a satellite office out in Stanton, Virginia. Uh, As an investor, uh, I've syndicated a number of deals, have over uh, 700 rental units now um, in the portfolio um, and work with a lot of investors in private equity. So glad to be here. Awesome. Um, Very cool.
1: So first question, um, kind of just a more introductory type of question too. I'm just curious, where are you from originally? Chris, um, are you from uh, the, the Memphis area originally, the Southeast, or where are you from originally? And, and also, how did you get your start in real estate? What was kind of like your your first story or the first memory from the real estate industry?
0: Sure. Well, I'll keep it brief. I'm originally from Dallas, Texas, born and raised in Texas. Um, still call it my home. I'm a Texan through the heart. So and that's why our second offices were in Dallas, Texas. So the two Home office in Memphis, second office in Dallas. And I got my start in real estate through Colton Sheets, which you know, not everyone's gonna know who that is or, or exactly what that is. But late night infomercial, 800 number, called it. And I actually used one of his techniques. I traded houses for my very first investment. I had a, a home that I wanted to sell. It was out in the country. And I had somebody that wanted to buy it. They had a house right next to the university that they couldn't buy mine without selling theirs so i bought theirs as an investment so they could buy mine put theirs on the rental program and that's how i became an investor there's more detail to that but i won't share it all that's that's how i got started though through Carlton C. that, he that got is it. awesome
1: i'm i'm not going to lie i've been i've been in property management and real estate since 2003 so it's 20 years actually on may 22nd it'll be my 20th year chris you are the first person i've met that actually said they started real estate because of an infomercial. So that you hear, first of all, you hear something new every day, and second of all, that is awesome. I love it, man. Very cool, Ralph. Yeah, uh, I need to go same, to bed over here. Same question back to you. Where are you from originally, and how do you get your start in real estate or your first real estate memory?
2: Yeah, sure. I'm originally from Atlanta. Uh, I went to the University of Richmond. That's what brought me up here to the beautiful Commonwealth of Virginia. And I got started in real estate with a college buddy. Actually, we, he was came to me in 2012 and said, hey, why don't we buy a, a duplex together? Uh, so we started looking and, and pulled our money. And I said, you know, I think we've got enough uh, to buy this eight unit building. Um, why don't we just jump into that? Because I knew eight rent checks were better than two. Honestly, I didn't even know what a property manager was. I had my own, own single family home at the time and we just jumped right in and um, was fixing the toilets myself and painting apartments. And and did everything because we didn't have enough money to hire a property manager and didn't even know what it was. But that was in uh, 2012, and I really got hooked on it, enjoyed the service aspect of it, and then opened the real property management franchise in 2014. It's awesome, man. I love it. Getting your hands dirty right off the bat. Um, my, my business partner tells stories
1: about his first rental property out in Palm Beach, and he'd have the entire family out there changing light, fan, like, light fixtures and ceiling fans and painting and replacing you know painting floors and doing whatever it took to, to get the job done so that's really cool um just to give you a little background on myself um andrew mentioned my ohio state shrine i'm actually from ohio originally i was born in dayton raised in cincinnati and then went to ohio state i actually started as a maintenance technician back in 2003 with a big company called Income. I, I managed to offend the hr director during our interview for the leasing position she called me back about a week later and said. Hey, you didn't get the leasing position, but if you want if you want to start out as a maintenance tech, you don't need to have any skills to do that. So the first day on the job, I went and bought a channel lock and a six-in-one screwdriver, um, and got my property management career started. So uh, same thing we do a lot of what you guys do, Chris and Ralph, in terms of um, you know syndication and um, you know helping investors make money with real estate. Um, we're me and my partner. Probably we own right around a thousand units together. We have partners on everything. Um, don't even own my own house by myself. My wife owns half of that, and uh, you know, so we have investors on everything. Um, that being said, kind of want to get into that. I think most people in the group here probably want to hear more about the investor experience and how you handle those relationships, uh, since it's such an important part of raising money and, and uh, you know being able to do real estate deals. Is, is having that capital. So I guess the first question is just going to be, what is investor relationship management and how do you create, how does your company or you personally create a positive investor experience? And take it, whoever
0: wants to go first can go first. Ralph, would you like to go first on this one? happy,
2: happy to jump in here. So as a property manager, I kind of just fumbled my way into syndications really just through joint ventures, right? I had clients that had some single family homes and wanted to do bigger deals um we were already managing some you know small and mid-sized multifamily so i knew a little bit more than they did um, and i was able to kind of bridge that knowledge gap to help them get from you know two or three houses to now they own 20% of a downtown property so for me it was all relationships kind of current clients and friends and family and really speaking to um, their needs, right? They understand the benefits of real estate investing, the tax benefits, the long-term wealth creation, uh, but they didn't have that expertise. So I was able to kind of foster those relationships and say, hey, why don't we come in together? Um, we'll sign on the loan. We'll kind of do this as a true partnership and really started as a joint venture where everybody was equal owners, pro rata share. Um, and then from that scaled it to do Syndications where it was a GP and LP structure. But a lot of those uh, first friends and family that we started, you know, we were able to kind of foster that into these other syndications. But it's really just about over communicating with them and being um, proactive and transparent and what your goals are for the specific property and the business plan. And then, you know, making sure you touch them all the way through from, hey, here's what we're doing during due diligence, here's how we underwrite a property. Um, and kind of showing them that you really are the expert. I think that's what's helped our investor relationship. and i've gotten kind of gotten to a point now in the business where if you're just a one-off um property owner or management client, you probably don't have access to me, right? i I focus all my attention on my investment partners and folks that I have a shared interest with in real estate. and, and I love what Michael said about having partners, you know, in his own primary residence. Uh, I'm a firm believer in that. I mentioned I've got 700 units um, under ownership and all of those, except for one, um, I have partners in and that's my, you know, my primary residence, but whether it's employees, clients, friends, uh, I'm always looking to build those relationships and kind of grow together. So that's
1: a uh, great, great uh, points in there, Ralph. You hit on a lot of things. So it sounds like your first deal was with friends and family. How, right. how sophisticated was that first pitch that you put together? Um, and all the analysis you did on that first deal versus what you're able to offer today. And my reason for bringing that up is a lot of times in this industry, people get hung up on things needing to be perfect before they just go take action. So tell us today how kind of rudimentary that first pitch or underwriting process was, how much you've grown and learned over the years to to get to where you are today.
2: Uh, It was... um we'll call it dumb luck. I mean, it was really a buddy of mine sitting down, we were having a beer and he said, let's, how much cash could you put together and let's go buy some property and does the rent exceed the mortgage? That was about all I knew. <laughs> and, um, you know, if I went through the underwriting and everything I know now and had to raise private equity for this, that transaction, I never would have gotten the deal done. But, you know, on that eight unit building, a reference, um, I think we made 250,000 and a little over three years. So pretty much two times the equity multiple and got in and out of there and, and 1031 into some other stuff. But to your point, it was not sophisticated. It was just taking action and having the conversations. Absolutely.
1: And today, you know, you mentioned a few things. Now, now you're getting more into syndications. And I think a lot of that, you also said that now that you've grown, you kind of only really deal with investors. So your role within the company has shifted. Um, And you're working more uh, with a specific subset or group of your ownership, um, which is kind of cool and something to learn along the way. You're going to run out of time for everybody. you got to be wise about how you spend your time. It sounded like a lot of that time when you're raising funds might be just showing people how you underwrite the transparency of why the numbers work, what makes the deal good to get them to believe that they should put their money with you. Is that is that accurate? Did I hear that properly?
2: absolutely if you can walk through the excel runs of the models um you know you're going to need to show that to your lender anyway um if you can present it in plain english to a group of investors that understand single family then you're really going to be ahead of the game and i kind of jumped into that with both feet and try to learn as much as i could by doing just because the conversations i was having with commercial brokers and other syndication partners and investors it seemed like they were talking a different language you know. when I first started with different cap rates and return metrics and IRR profiles. And I said, I got to figure this out or nobody's going to let me manage their properties. Um, and then once I did that, I said, well, I can teach this to other people and then maybe they'll they'll trust me with some capital. Um, so anything you can do to educate yourself in terms of you know, financial reporting and that kind of stuff is going to go a long way. So awesome.
1: Chris remind me did you hit on uh, we've been I've been down the rabbit hole with Ralph here for a minute did you get a chance to answer the original question which was what was the relation what is investor relationship management and how to create a positive investor experience have, have you not covered that yet
0: no that's okay i'm happy
1: to answer it yes awesome okay just making sure i'm like holy smokes anyway no 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 your, your good. turn
0: when we first started our our business may be slightly different than others that are that are joining us today watching i'm not i'm not 100% sure but we are today in today's parlance, we're a turnkey investment company. So that's how we started. That's how we grew, Uh, meaning that we buy single family homes that we want to manage. We renovate them. We put a resident into the property and then we sell that as a performing asset to an investor that wants to be passive. So we've generated our own growth each year, not by going out and, and whether it's picking up other management companies or trying to entice other investors to bring us their properties, our growth has all been through sales, transactional. So we have we purchase, renovate, and sell, and then offer as a third-party service a management company to manage that investment. And what we recognized early on, we didn't, at, at first, we were just buying and selling houses. We didn't want to be a manager. Uh, in 2004, our manager left town uh, or had an employee leave town with rents that belonged to our, our clients who we had sold houses to. And that's when we recognized that, that our business was in jeopardy because the future of our business, the future growth that we had in mind selling to existing clients, if you're not in control of the experience they're having, then you really are not in control of whether or not they will ever come back and buy from you again. So that was the impetus for us to start a management company. We had been operating uh, since 2002, and but the, started the management company in 2005. In 2009, we started a department, is our customer service department, and we are we're we're set up very differently than most management companies. We don't have property managers that who are responsible for a portfolio of properties. Instead, our company's siloed out in, by department. So there is a team that handles leasing the properties, a team that handles uh, rent collection. There's a team that handles maintenance issues. There's a team that handles every, you know, um, department within the company. But then there's also one special team that most don't have, and that's our customer service department. And the purpose of that group is to call every client every month. Today, we have uh, right at 3,100 clients again they're they're they own 7600 properties and many of them have have properties in different cities so you know it takes a pretty robust back end a CRM custom built out but it also takes you know again for us it was the dedication that we were going to call every client every month the payoff is that our quarter over quarter and this goes back to 2015 every single quarter between 62 and 66% of our sales so two out of every three go to an existing client building a larger portfolio. And as we all know, a larger portfolio begins to eventually revert back to the average of the total, you know, portfolio performance. And so, you know, that was that's I think the question was really geared towards the investor experience and the investor how how we keep our, you know, relationship with them. That's the big piece for us is making sure that that it's not an afterthought. I mean, it's something that it's intentional. We the communication is intentional. And at one of the last events property management events I spoke at, you know, kind of taking it to the next level that when we talk to the client each month, it's not, you know, it's very much about not just the performance of their portfolio, but what they need, what, what information do they need? What more do they need from us? Technology is phenomenal. And it provides, puts a lot of information at our fingertips and even the client's fingertips. But oftentimes what what we have found kind of has helped us grow is this natural they want that communication. They want that that touch, even though they can go to a login and they can get everything right there at their fingertips if they need it. They want somebody that, that's able to explain things to them and, and walk through to them and build a real relationship with them. That's kind of been our key to growth. Um, and at this point, we don't lose a lot of properties. We lose a little, a little under 3% of our portfolio annually. Most of it is to sales. We don't lose properties to other management companies. And then our growth is almost, it's all a function of, you know, really what's happening within the market itself. Cause we don't, we don't make a habit of managing too many properties that we didn't renovate to begin with. We don't, we only manage in certain parts of the, of our particular city and we don't do anything outside of single family home. We don't, so we're not a, we're not a mix and match. We are very, very laser focused on what we do and where we do it well. So, and, and because of that, like, I would wrap that up with the experience that our client expects is the one that we hit. Not every time, but but pretty dadgum close to to every time. That's that's we try and hit the expectation that they have.
1: Absolutely, a um, lot of great nuggets in there. Tons of great information, Chris. I appreciate that. I think you kind of, Kelly Kaufman from Runners Warehouse Richmond had put a comment or a question there in the chat box. She said, we'd love to hear about converting single property owners into investors. Most of our clients own one property. You kind of covered that, but I don't know if you want to touch on that briefly to kind of reiterate how you are converting single property owners into multiple property owners. Um, I know you had mentioned two out of every three build larger portfolios. Due to kind of your transparency and you're helping them make money, basically showing them they're making money. Now, anyway, if you can hit on that a little bit, Chris, I think it might be helpful to just uh, clarify that for Kelly.
0: Well, I, I will tell you one thing that, and Ralph said it a second ago. We're very intentional that if an investor, if an investor tells mm-hmm. us that, hey, I'm I'm interested in buying a investment property, and mm-hmm. through that. Through the process of uh, interviewing them, if we try to spend time with somebody before we say yes or onboard them as a client. and they're just not they don't have the appetite or the ability to build a larger portfolio. We're probably not going to move forward. We're going to encourage them to stay close to home, build their resources because buying one property, most of our investors are passive and generally not close. You know, uh, they're not, you know, again, we're in twelve different cities. So investors, oftentimes they're, they own properties in other cities. And so I tell people all the time, if you're gonna own a property, one investment property in another city, that's an incredible waste of time and, and resources. Buy close to home for just one house. So it's um, it's intentional, number one. We we encourage that you need to build a portfolio. The second piece is, and it goes back to that customer service side of it. I promise if you called your clients and figure out how, again, I know it's not necessarily easy, especially with a, with a company that's up and running, but if you made a commitment that, um, before the end of this year, by the fourth quarter, we're going to have a program instituted. We'll onboard the, the new team member or two or three new team members. And their entire job is to call every client every month, check in, how are you doing? Rent's paid. You know, Here's the bills over here. This is what we have happening with, uh, with our global portfolio. Here's how things are performing. What questions can we answer for you? Oftentimes, it'll be a a quick one-minute conversation, but what it'll build is it'll build trust, especially when you apply at the end of that. That hey, we have the ability to represent you. If you want to buy another property, you know we own our own properties. But if if for any any management company that said we want to represent you to build your portfolio, especially if you have the ability to help them get it renovated um, and back to market quickly, I think that's the the number one thing I would do. It's it's all about relationship, and so. You know, we have now 15 plus years, 18 years building relationship with those clients. And that's kind of ingrained into the DNA of our company. That's I think it's just, you know, how you start is you start day one, you just decide this is what we're going to do. We're going to build relationships with our clients and then you'll begin to see traction and it grows and grows over time.
2: Yeah. I'll speak to that briefly. Um, Kelly, I can't give away all the secrets. You are right in my backyard here in Richmond. i um, yeah. glad to have you on. <laughs> But, you know, we're very intentional as well as to the t- kind of clients that we work with. And I was on a podcast just the other week, and basically, if you have one property, don't call us, right? You need to manage that yourself, figure it out when you get to three or four. Um, you know, we would love to work with you. So we do work with the accidental landlord that one off, but same light as Chris, we want to work with those people that are trying to get from three to ten um, and kind of show them how we can help them do that. So we look at, more of an asset manager role in addition to the property manager. So, how does this this one rental or two, three rentals play into your overall, you know, wealth plan for you and your family? Um, we use a wealth optimizer tool tool so they can see what, you know, the IRR is for that pro- investment property, what their cash on cash return is, um, and once they can see that, they can compare it to other investments, and then that if they're having a positive experience, that would encourage them to to buy more. So that's excellent.
1: Yeah, I'd love to hear more. So uh, we heard how Chris communicates. And Chris, we're going to come back to that with your monthly owner calls. I love that idea. Ralph, if you could tell us kind of your key to good communication, clear communication, transparent communication, what's that look like at Real Property Management? Yep. Tiffany wants to know, she's in Northern Virginia, sounds like relationships are the, the key in good communication. So she wants to know your secrets. I do too. I don't
2: know if you guys know, but I'm in Richmond now also. Awesome. So. Uh, <laughs> well the uh, with you know as far as communicating with our syndication partners, you know, they're getting monthly financial statements, quarterly reports. We'll do, you know, if it's a lease up, we'll give them bi-weekly leasing reports. How are the apartments.com listings going, and just trying to give them everything before they ask for it. Um, and then for one-off clients that are trying to grow, we'd like to do an annual review and just run through the Wealth Optimizer tool to show them, you know, how their asset is performing. They may get upset, you know, over a large maintenance item, but if you look at, you know, hey, what is the market done? How much appreciation have you gotten here? Um, we can kind of smooth out some of those hiccups that come in the uh, manager-owner relationship.
1: Absolutely, Chris. We had some specific questions about your calls. Uh, during your monthly call, this came from Taylor. Thanks for joining and asking the question, Taylor. During your monthly call with your clients, what topics do you talk about? New investments, statement reviews, issues? I, I wrote my own questions down. What do you say on these calls? Are they scheduled with the the owners? Do you just dial their phone number and if they pick up, you talk to them and Ninety percent of them don't pick up. What What are the you know how How does this work? What's the process? Sure.
0: For so it gets into a it definitely develops into a rhythm. I will say that much because we have clients now who who have they opt out and they request a, a quarterly call uh, rather than a monthly call. And we have uh, some clients. This is a really small group though, but we have to do some some clients that request no call except for issues. They only want to be called if there's move outs or bills. That's it. They you know they're they're good. Um, and that's fine. But the, you know, the, as silly as it's going to sound, sometimes there's nothing to talk about. The, the call is how are you doing? You know, last time we we talked, I know you were going to go see your grandkids play baseball or you and your wife are getting ready to celebrate your, uh, your ninth anniversary. How did it go? You know, that's, it's, it's relationship and it's real. And so we have a, a team that, and it's, it's really is, um, it's fascinating to me because we have we have a team the customer service team that is just simply building rapport and we have a team that, that assists with their portfolios with building out the portfolio and help them run their numbers and make sure that it's operating and it's it's truly building wealth and you know we, clients they their real long-term relationship with our company is with the customer service team and all they're doing is just keeping them connected so they feel like they are investing next door rather than investing Hundreds or thousands of miles away. And so it's the, when we first started it, the questions we told our team to ask were, how's your family? How's things going there? How's your job? How's, you know, it's, and it's, it's odd at first, but we found that our clients, they really, really responded. And this is, this is the same person that delivers all the information about their portfolio. If there's a move out, if there's a a service call over $400, if there is an issue with their home, this is the same person that delivers that same message. Okay. In some months, they will call and have a conversation with them. And two weeks later, they're calling with, Hey, here's an issue we need to discuss real quick. Super, it's super labor intensive. Don't, uh, we understand that. It's super labor intensive. Some calls are scheduled, most are not. All right. I think I I probably touched on most of it. I think you
1: covered it. And is it a team of people or are they? They kind of have their favorites or it's like, you know, oh yeah, property, like this owner usually gets called by Nancy or it's normally John.
0: So each of our team members have between three and 400 clients that they call and some are going to be more, some are more, And the reason why that is is some don't want those calls. Some say, look, I I'm good. Just call me when there's an issue. Others are just a quarterly call, but they each have a couple of hundred people that want to speak to them every month. And like I said, we we had to step in at one point and say, you know, at some point you have to limit the talk or the call a little bit because you know if you spend an hour on the phone with a with a with a client and it's all about the grandkids and your next vacation that kind of stuff, it's good, but if it at some point it doesn't get to the business side of things, then then um, you know there's there's a downside to this, um, if, especially if you get a talker. Um, yeah. So I'm heard,
1: do you guys put this into a CRM? Do you put it into notes into, in your PM software? How do you, what do you do?
0: Absolutely. We have, uh, we, we run Salesforce. And uh, so our our Salesforce software, they record every call. Some of the calls are actually audio recorded so we can go back and listen. But uh, every call is recorded. Every transaction is recorded. Everything they do inside is all recorded. Cool.
1: For those of you who don't know what Salesforce is, it's a CRM that is very, expensive to build out. So Chris is invested in that software. There's any number of softwares that you can use to do that. Lead Simple, we use Lead Simple. Um, It's much less expensive. No offense, Chris. I wish we had the guts and the money to spend on Salesforce. We don't. There's a couple of great books on this and we're limited on time here. So I'm going to throw this out there in case anybody wants to write these down. Uh, There's a book called The Customer Service Revolution that hits on what they call secret service. It's exactly what Chris was talking about. It's actually making notes in your system about that person and it's not what you'd think it was you know it's what college they went to in case you need to send them a christmas gift it's what's their grandkids names or their kids name or vacation they're going on or their dog's name and i actually started doing this on my phone it's one of my favorite life hacks but when when i look up so i moved into a neighbor a new neighborhood last year and i wanted to remember my neighbor's names you never want to forget your neighbor your neighbor's wife's name right You're going over their house, they're hanging out. You haven't seen them in three months, but darn it, what was her name? So I started putting it in the contact right there where the company goes. And you'll see there, it's his wife, is Laura, his kid is Brooks, and his dog is Stella. And so kind of like Chris is saying, you got to put a little extra effort into remembering things about these people so they feel personally connected. I think 12 touch points is an amazing goal. I would love to get to that point. We're nowhere near that. We actually schedule quarterly ownerly calls that are optional. The owners can all get on there. We typically t- have uh, you know 15 to 25 people on those calls and we talk to them. I connect with them through that. Of course, they have we have other touch points with the rest of the team members. Um, but anyway, just another way to do it. I got credit from that for from Jen Stoops, from those of you know who Jen Stoops are, or I'm sorry, Deb Newell. Deb Newell said she does this with every every month with all of her customers. And she said, I taught her it. I definitely did not. She taught me this after the fact and we implemented it. So anyway, Ralph, some more, some ideas on, on kind of enhancing that. You said you're all relationship based too. We talked about transparency. Is there anything else that goes into communication? Um, We have some other questions as well. If you don't have anything else on that, uh, that front.
2: Yeah. I can tell you, we don't have that many touch points. We're the, the guys that call you in the, HVAC is broken but I'm happy to take any more questions but that's really uh, amazing that you guys can can carve that out.
1: yeah, definitely impressive. So we have Jim Smith asked you either you have set up on your web page that allows someone to enter information to determine potential cap IRR, cash return, cash on cash returns that kind of thing and I see you perhaps you put a uh, you put, put a link in there Can you explain what's going on with that.
2: Yeah, that, that's a link to our website. That um, feel free to use it for your own modeling, but it it's great on just a one off single family home to kind of dive into some rent comps and help you run the numbers on that. And I know a lot of resi agents in Richmond use that, you know, for their own investments and then for their clients as well.
1: Awesome. Yeah, um, Wolfgang put a link in the in the chat box too to the Customer Service Revolution, and then uh, Wolfgang said there's another great book called Hug Your Customers, Personalize Astounding. Is that right? Wolfgang, thanks. There's another great one um, that uh, I think Andrew's read, but I always talk about It's called, and it's got a terrible title, but it's called Mr. Schmooze. And it's all about personalizing your gift giving. And one of my favorite stories for that is Chris, Ralph, y'all are investing in, in dealing with investors. You probably take them out to lunch or dinner. One of my favorite stories. From Mr. Schmiz's book, as he's best friend, he's good friends with everybody at his lunch restaurant. It's the best business lunch restaurant in town. And when he goes to lunch, he makes sure that they they know the the valet knows ahead of time what that person's name is, what kind of car they drive, so they can greet him by name. And then when they're in lunch, he actually the valet takes and gets the car detailed, puts a nice handwritten note in there with a bottle of water and a little box of chocolates that says, "Hey, Mr. Schmiz wants to thank you for spending you know, taking the time to meet with him today." Anyway, long story short, just another level of trying to enhance that that customer experience, and he calls calls it elevating it. You know, but there's all kinds of great ideas in that book that we're not going to be able to get into uh, in our short little time together today. Um, one one question for both of you: What is the best piece of advice you've ever received relating to real estate or the investor experience?
2: Uh, the best one I got was to kind of you just made me think of it with that lunch example was to always have a closing dinner and kind of celebrate with your equity partners and with that we invite the lender we invite the insurance broker all of our you know people that invested in that deal we take them out to a nice dinner uh it's a great way to network and then they can you know meet other investors and do other deals so um i would encourage you that you know taking hard-earned cash from a investor comes with a lot of responsibility and you want to make sure that you protect that at all costs, but also build that relationship and say, thank you. You know, Hey, here's a night out on us. Here's the business plan. You can ask questions in person. And, um, it's just a a great way to network.
1: I love that. That's a, that's a great idea. Um, so you do that once the property, once you purchase the property or once the The fund is closed
2: Right, exactly. We'll typically have, you know, eight to 12 investors on each deal. And then we'll invite, you know, the title agent that worked on it, uh, just to say thanks. And then they start talking to other investors and it it at least other opportunities. And it's something that we look forward to. You know, you work hard to close these things and it's nice to to get out and and schmooze. Yeah, that's awesome, man. That's really cool. I can just see the the
1: and, and just having knowing who you're in the deal with will make you feel more comfortable knowing you got a bunch of great people on your team is awesome. Right. Chris, um, what is the best piece of advice you've ever received relating to kind of real estate or the investor experience?
0: Sure. Now it's it's very simple. It's uh, you can have anything you want in life if you help enough other people get what they want. Uh, it's not original to me. That's Zig Ziglar, and uh, I'll never forget when I went to go see him in 1988 when I'm in high school. My dad made me go see Zig Ziglar, and uh, it's one of those sayings that stuck with me ever since. And I'll tell you. I, I wanted to make sure before we get off that I wanted to I wanted to throw two things out at at everybody in the group because I it directly relates to that right there and I want to make sure I give the proper credit here JWB out of Jacksonville just won an award with you guys a short time ago and I believe it was about investor experience if I'm that's not that's right
1: yeah great yep mm-hmm.
0: so mm-hmm. JWB and us we've masterminded together going back to 2009. Uh, we still pick the phone up and call each other all the time, just with how's this work and what's that, you know, how are you solving it, whatever. We talk all the time. We share clients. We probably share two to 300 clients that own properties in Jacksonville, but also in some of our markets. And we truly see each other as not as competitors, but as, you know, obviously we're advocates for one another. But so I want to make sure I give them credit here because, you know, they, we borrowed something from them. They borrowed something from us. We we borrowed from them. They borrowed the customer service for the client from us, but we straight took from them. I was on stage with them and they talked about the resident and the resident experience and how important it was to the experience of the client and the return for the investor. And after hearing them talk, I don't know how many on this call do this or not, but we came back. I came back to Memphis and Within 48 hours, we removed the word tenant out of everything, all of our paperwork, our walls, our communications, emails, everything, we removed it entirely from our vocabulary and replaced it with resident. And ultimately, in the end, residents, a vast majority, are just looking for a experience where we as as managers do what we say we're going to do. And owners do what they're responsible for doing. So they want a good, clean home. They want a safe experience. They want something that they can stay in long-term most, especially the, the price point. That's what we're going for. And so we strive to, to answer that. So what I get in return is, uh, we were just looking here a short while ago, we have a 2.3% vacancy today out of our 7,600 properties. So it's just under 200 houses that are currently vacant. Uh, being worked out. Only 76 are available for rent today. Our average resident stays just under seven years. And we have rental increases. They're nominal, sometimes only $25. But every year, there are little small rent bumps. We only do two-year leases. And these, these are acceptable terms from the resident because of the the way that we deliver the service and treat them. So customer service isn't just the client and it starts with the resident. And so if you deliver what the resident wants, they stay long-term, you're able to deliver, more, deliver a more reliable long-term return to the client who then in turns buy more houses from you. And in the end, everybody's getting what they want. And then what I get out of it is a growing business um, that's you know profitable. It's what I got into business for to begin with. So there again, true to the, the advice, I get what I want by helping everybody else along the way get what they want. And to Ralph's point, we're just the we're just an engine at the front of a train. Um, yeah. the lawyer, the title company, the insurance agent, every single every vendor along the way that does service to that portfolio, they're all just a part of, you know, getting pulled right along the track with us. So, yeah, we've we learned I learned a long time ago from my dad and then who made me go here Zig Ziglar that life is all it's it's easy in some cases, if you focus on what other people need and want.
1: Yeah, Chris, that's a great nugget. You're right. We've all heard it before, but it's a great way to refocus. Um, you can have anything else in life. if you, you can have anything you want in life if you focus on helping enough people get what they want. Um, I'd like to just add that I think it's important to start with your team, um, making sure you're focused on your team's goals and helping them get what they want. You're going to have happy team members that are working more productively and happy to help those residents. I love that you went to the residents and the resident experience. Obviously, know Second Nature puts a huge emphasis on that. And with some of the stuff they've got coming down the pipe, um, they're just putting their money where their mouth is on that. It's super exciting to see. So we have like one minute left. Um, And I know we've tried to instill all of our knowledge and wealth and information on these lovely people who have joined us here today. But why don't you both give them a book that might be able to help them after today that's helped you along the way because I'm sure you both read and learn. I can tell by the the amount of information you're throwing out there. So, What's a well, great yeah. real estate book that you would recommend or customer service or communication or relationship book that you love and want to recommend that, that the team can take away from here today?
2: It's one you've probably all heard of and that's why you're not in the other room, but Who Not How, that was instrumental for me. Once I got out of the weeds of my business, I kind of structure the property management to fly without me. Um, and it's been about four years since I've had a, a GM kind of overseeing that. So figure out who can help you achieve the goals you want.
0: Yeah. Mine is not real estate related, but it's a book I read every year I pull down and I don't read the book cover to cover anymore, but there's little pieces of it that I pull out uh, every January. It's called make it big by frank mckinney it was called the rock and roll real estate investor uh back in the day he uh pioneered building um crazy crazy spec houses down in florida you know 200 million dollar spec homes but this is a guy who uh, and i'm probably wrong and part of this didn't graduate high school spent some time uh incarcerated didn't go to college but is a just a phenomenal mind and a phenomenal with um with knowing what people want from a marketing standpoint. And anyway, I read it annually um, just because it helps me. And a lot of the parts of it just uh, helps me get focused and stay focused on dreaming big, thinking big, you know, thinking beyond what I'm currently doing, not being satisfied with where I'm at. And so uh, I just, I love that book, Make It Big by Frank McKinney.
3: And that wraps up another episode of the Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you for pressing play. We hope you've gained valuable insights and inspiration. The Triple Win Property Management Podcast is proudly produced and distributed by Second Nature, where we believe in a triple win, building winning experiences for your residents, investors, and your teams with the only fully managed resident benefits package. Visit rbp.secondnature.com to learn more and talk to an RBP expert in your area. If you have any questions, comments, or want to weigh in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. Email win at secondnature.com. That's win at secondnature.com. Stay connected with us beyond the podcast. Visit our website at rbp.secondnature.com to stay updated with upcoming property management events and articles. And don't forget, you can keep the conversation going in the Triple Win Property Management Facebook group. It's exclusively for property managers. To receive even more valuable insights and updates, subscribe to our newsletter. You can find the link to that and much more in the show notes. On behalf of the Triple Win community, this is Laura Mack thanking you for tuning in. And on behalf of Second Nature, this is Carol Housel. Check back soon for another exciting episode. Until then, keep striving for that triple win.